0: Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Marquecho, and you're listening to episode 51. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Holly Girth. Holly loves humans, words, and good coffee. She's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, life coach, and counselor with a Master of Science degree in mental health. Holly also co-founded the groundbreaking online community, Encourage, and co-hosts the More Than Small Talk podcast. Her newest book release is The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You. Welcome, Holly.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Becky.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you. I personally love like personality type tests and, you know, like learning from those things. I love self-helpy things and uh, personal growth. So I'm just excited. I know you have a wealth of knowledge, um, just the education you have, the studying, this stuff for a really long time. So I think your insight is going to be just encouraging and probably empowering too for listeners um, and myself. So thanks for being here.
1: Yes. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Um, so your latest book, uh, the powerful purpose of introverts. Uh, before we dive in, I want to say, do you have a word, anything to say to the extroverts listening that this is maybe not just like all about introverts or what they can glean from this? Um, while, how this conversation might be good for them too. Yes, two
1: things. First of all, it's for introverts and anyone who loves, leads, or shares life with an introvert. So that covers almost everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> introverts are half the population. And also, I wrote a thank you note to extroverts in the book, telling them how much I love and appreciate them. Because one of my biggest fears in writing, writing this book was that extroverts would feel like I'm playing favorites. Yes. And I'm not. I, Humans being who God created them to be, that is my favorite. Yes. So I love my extroverts. I want them to be exactly who they're created to be. I just happen to be an introvert. So that's the book I wrote. But yeah. <laughs> if you write a
0: book about extroverts, I will be first in line to buy it. I love it. Um, I love the extroverts in my life, too. Just not one of them. Um, <laughs> I know in the book that you dive into the psychological, relational, and spiritual aspects of being an introvert. Um, I love it. If you could just kind of set the tone for this conversation, give us a little um, background on those things, especially focusing on the spiritual, just because the show is about Jesus.
1: Yes, absolutely. So one of the really fun things I discovered as I did my research was that we are created as introverts and extroverts. It's not about how much we like small talk or parties, some of those myths that we hear, it's actually wired into our brains and nervous systems. So introverts and extroverts differ in the primary neurotransmitter they rely on, the side of the nervous system they rely on, and then even use a different primary brain pathway for processing. So I love that. Like I geek out about that. I feel the same way I do when I stand at the edge of the ocean or, you know, encounter something in God's creation that inspires awe in me I think we see a lot of complementary pairings in the creation story day and night land and sea masculine feminine and I think another one is introvert extrovert and so that makes me really excited that we are designed to be who we are on purpose for a purpose
0: yeah I like that I've never thought of that like the opposite pairing of all the other things in creation I like that a lot Um, Holly, in your opinion, um, why we're going to get into like some of the struggles introverts have and how we can get through those things and really lean into who God made us to be. And even if we have what we think might be a weakness and how we can turn that kind of flip the script on that. But in your opinion, why does the world need, not just need introverts, but need introverts to be who God created them to be?
1: I think that because it is a complimentary pairing, we do have some strengths that we bring. You know, we live in a world that's noisy and chaotic and stressed out. And I think a great story that illustrates what introverts bring is about the country Finland. So Finland is one of the most introverted countries in the world. And about 10 years ago, they decided that they wanted to increase tourism. And so 100 marketing experts gathered in this restaurant in Helsinki and said, we're going to make a plan. So it seems like the strategy would be, you know, become the next Las Vegas, turn up the volume, increase the action. And instead they said in our noisy world, silence is a resource. Mm. What we bring is different and it's valuable. And so that's the direction they went. And tourism increased Citizens flourished. Finland just got named the happiest country oh, in the it. world again, <laughs> they keep getting that. And so I think introverts saying, you know what, my, my capacity for solitude, my craving for deep, meaningful connections, my ability to listen well, often we have creative gifts or a perceptiveness and ability to add insight to situations. Instead of saying, I need to change that, I think that we contribute most not when we conform, but when we offer our unique gifts. And again, I love the extroverts and the gifts they bring, but I do think introverts have some natural gifts we need more than ever.
0: Yeah. What did Finland do? Do you know? (laughs) Like, what did they do? Well, I think that was like their marketing messaging. Yeah. You know,
1: one of their biggest campaigns was based on the phrase silence is a resource. Yeah. You know, and they said people pay thousands of dollars for noise canceling headphones and to go to spas. And, you know, so they yeah. just in all their messaging instead of saying, you know, it's loud here. It's, you know, it said it was it's quiet. Get away from it all. Come and, you know, have some time apart from the usual pace of life.
0: Yeah. I love that. What's funny is especially, I say especially now, it's probably always true regardless of what's going on in the world. Like we could all use it. I believe even like the extroverts probably like, you know, everybody could use it whether they think they could or not. So I don't know why sometimes as introverts, we like there's a negative spin on that, even though we all look at the chaos and sin and all of it and say like, yes, we could use it. I just, so I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves sometimes for, you know, the way that we are. Yeah, well, I think right now that we live just in a more extra, extroverted culture in
1: general, even though that's interesting, because the stats show we really are at about half and half the latest one from Myers-Briggs says that 50.7% of the population is introvert. So we are looking at half, but as far as how our culture is overall geared right now, it is a little more extroverted. And so I think anytime that happens, if it were the flip, then extroverts would feel a bit of pressure to be more introverted. We just tend to want to be like what we think the culture around us Is asking of us. And so I think introverts kind of get pulled into that. So just knowing, hey, you know, half of us are wired this way, the other half can can use some of our strengths, just like we can use theirs kind of frees us up to say it's all right to be who I am. Not only is it all right, it's needed.
0: Yeah. Holly, to give introverts a little bit of maybe empowerment um, as Jesus followers, what are some things that you think are strengths of ours that like the church really needs that we can, the church body, you know, people that can come alongside other people, whether it's non-believers or believers themselves, like what can we do as introverts? Um, like what? why does God need us in this game plan?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because throughout spirituality, Church culture was more even between introvert and extrovert as far as the practices that were part of it. And even I remember going to St. Paul's Cathedral in Europe and walking in and everyone automatically lowered their voices and slowed their paces, became more reflective. And I was like, huh everyone is suddenly acting more introverted. This is so fascinating. And so for thousands of years, the church was a place where you withdrew from the busyness of everyday life, where you did those things, slowed your pace, became more reflective, had a moment to take a deep breath and become quiet. And I think that our modern church culture, even though I love it, and this is not a critique, it's just sort of where we are, it often doesn't feel that way. I go to a church I love but it's a huge church and when I walk in I'm often overwhelmed by the noise I actually bring earplugs with me to church (laughs) where I can hear fine but it's at a volume I can handle and I was in a, a study through that church about spiritual disciplines and we came to the one about solitude and I was with the entire group was extroverts except for me and I thought solitude was going to be the easy one. I was like I'm, fasting is hard, you know. I can do solitude, but all the extroverts has, said this is really tough for us and I thought that's interesting, you know. So I think I think that slower pace, that reflectiveness, that capacity for solitude can be something that introverts can bring back to church culture that I think God intended to be there all along. Maybe we've just lost it a little bit, you know? And again, I think extroverts definitely have the capacity for those things. Just like introverts have the capacity to go on a mission trip with 20 strangers, Mm -hmm. if that's what God asked them to do or to do outreach and those things. But as far as just keeping things a little more balanced, I think that our quiet presence, our gentleness, our deep empathy, and reflective nature are an important part of the body of Christ.
0: Yeah. And I think filling up, um, like it looks different. My husband is an Enneagram 7. He's an ENFP, like where he thinks he's a teen now that I'm so much of a feeler. He's told me, he's told me he, used to, he thinks he used to be a feeler and now he's probably more of a thinker because I feel so much. But um, it's funny, like what we need, like I need daily alone time. I need daily like exercise and like space for myself and like white space. And he can go a really long time. And then he like goes backpacking in the wilderness for like five days yeah. with some guys. And like, that's how he fills up. And that's like his quiet, but it's so funny because in my mind, I'm like, no, you need, you you gotta have some more of this. And he he really doesn't, you know, and yeah. our needs are just different like that. Um, What would you say are some of the characteristics of an introvert that people, that introverts themselves, or maybe extroverts like the world, um, sees as a negative thing? Um, Yeah, do you have some like common traits that, that we look at and we think, oh, that's negative? I
1: think that a lot of times, and it's often in funny ways, like memes on social media, that introverts get associated with isolation. And we sort of think of all time alone as isolation, but that's actually not true. Isolation is a sense of being disconnected from others, from God, from our true selves. It can happen in a crowd. Some of my loneliest moments have actually been in a crowd. And so isolation isn't really about physical space and it's not what introverts are choosing when we take that time alone. Instead, we are choosing solitude, and solitude is intentional time set apart for a purpose, whether that's restoration, reflection, processing. You know, introverts have a nervous system that is like a net with small holes and it fills up the more we take in from the outside and so we just need time to empty our net a little which looks like processing and often out of that time we bring back valuable insights and creative things innovation to our relationships and the world around us but I think that's one big thing that gets confused that we think if an introvert's alone it's isolating when it's actually not it's about choosing solitude which is a real strength Even in leadership studies they've shown, whether introvert or extrovert, leaders who practice solitude tend to be the strongest ones. And so, as you said, that can look different. It can look like your husband going hiking in the woods with friends, whatever that looks like, but choosing that. So I think that's one big thing. And then. I think that sometimes people think introverts are holding back, like if we're not talking in a conversation or in a meeting. And what's actually going on is those two different primary brain pathways I talked about. So extroverts use a primary brain pathway that's shorter, faster, more focused on the present. Introverts use one that's longer, more complex, takes into account the past, present, and future. So that means we need a little bit more time before we're ready to respond. And so. It's not that we're sitting there with the answer and refusing to give it, (laughs) which our extrovert counterparts who use a different brain pathway, they can assume because that's how they process. It's actually that we are giving our full attention to something and we're putting it through that pathway, and we're going to come up with something valuable. We just need a little bit more time to do it. Yeah. So I think that's important. Also that it doesn't mean we're disengaged. It actually means we're fully engaged, <laughs> that we are thinking through it in a way that says, you matter to me, this conversation matters to me, this issue we're trying to work through matters to me. Yeah. So I think those are two of the biggest misconceptions.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I mean, Jesus spent time by himself. Do you think Jesus was an introvert?
1: <laughs> Gosh, that's such a loaded question. You know? I, know, I, think I just
0: he's thought of the it. the perfect balance uh, of
1: all all things. Yeah. So I think he was he could maximize introvert strengths, but also maximize extrovert yeah. ones.
0: Yeah. Um there's this quote. I don't know who said it. I read it a long time ago, but I've always loved it. Um liking Personal development type stuff. You might know who said it. Um, Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. And I I love that because it's so obvious. Like, of course, like we're not going to expect a fish to climb a tree, but like we put those pressures on ourselves. Holly, how do we step into our God given strengths? How do we, you know, not be a fish that is expecting ourselves to climb a tree?
1: Yeah, and that's a huge part of my story, especially when I first started publishing. I got tons of speaking invitations and thought I had to say yes to everything and everyone all the time and told myself, like, I just have to be an extrovert now. And I tried to do that for a few years, and I ended up on the brink of burnout. And I was at a conference with lovely people. I'd given the keynote, and in Sunday morning worship, I could not stop crying. And I felt like God said, go home and I knew he meant get on the plane and go home and take a long nap. But I sense he was also saying go home to who I created you to be. And I realized that we are the right fit for God's purpose for our life. That whatever it is he's called us to do, we have everything we need to do it. And so for me, that looked like going home and Going to counseling, you know, changing some of even practical things in my life, what I ate, how I moved my body, the sleep I was getting, getting a supportive circle of people around me to remind me of truth that, you know, I didn't have to say yes all the time, that an invitation wasn't an automatic, you have to do this. So getting more intentional about how I used my energy as an introvert and, you know, just deciding to trust that who God made me was enough. And that I could build a life that reflected that and it would be okay. And that's been years ago now. And it has been like there's not been a time when I said, man, I really missed out on that because I didn't force myself to be someone I wasn't. And so I still wrestle with that. Of course, I think we all do. But I think starting with self-awareness, learning about who we are, and then putting whatever rhythms in our life we need to support that, and having people around us who remind us, this is who you are, and that's intentional, and it's enough.
0: Yeah. Um, What are some tools that you have, some things you can do um, as an introvert to kind of like take some inventory of everything? Um, I think as introverts, we're naturally like more self-reflective and everything, so maybe this is a unnecessary question, but I think it might help some people. Like, what are some things we can do to kind of take a step back and see, like, is this working for me? Is this who I am? Am I am I trying to put extra pressure on myself or what's going on here?
1: Yeah. And I think this is a great time to do it because we've all gotten to set down some things because of quarantine and COVID-19 that we may not have to pick up. Some we do, but some we may not have to. And so I think that offers an opportunity, like you said, to reflect. And so one exercise I like is just making a list of everything you do in a day, or you can do more than a day if you want to, but starting there and putting a plus by what energizes you, a minus by what drains you, and a question mark when you're not sure. And the goal isn't to get rid of all the minuses. We are going to have minuses. Laundry is going to be a minus Mm -hmm. for me the rest of my life. But we're looking for optional minuses where we have put a should or have to or guilt that doesn't belong there on ourselves that we have to do something that God is actually not requiring of us. And then how do we lean into the places that do energize us? You know, if we discover, wow, this writing or creating or spreadsheets or walking outside with my kids, whatever it is that fills me up, how do we make room for a little bit more of that in our lives? So, that's one exercise. And then I think just being intentional about solitude, especially for introverts, having a rhythm of solitude in our lives. I say either pull out your calendar and Schedule it like you would a meeting, you know, that's important and you keep. Or if you're in a stage or season of life where that's just not possible, come up with some little hack like Joanna Gaines, who is an introvert and probably one of the busiest women on the Mm -hmm. planet. She says before she goes into something new, she just sits in her car by herself for five minutes. And that works for her. And that's that's pretty much what she can make happen right now. But lock yourself in the bathroom, you know, whatever it takes. But just figure out to get how to get that regular rhythm of solitude in your life.
0: Yeah. What are some things that you do?
1: Well, I don't have kiddos at home and I work at home. So I tend to have the opportunity for solitude, maybe more than many people. But what I struggle with is giving myself permission to take it, that I don't need to be working all the time.
0: Is that the one be- in you? <laughs> yes, that's
1: the one in me. And so I would say... Writing is restorative for me, but it's not necessarily the kind of solitude I need when I just let myself kind of pause, reflect, pray, take a deep breath, do some intentional thinking. And so that's the challenge for me is saying, even if I have the opportunity, I need to remind myself that it's okay to actually use that opportunity. So I usually try to go on a walk once a day. We have a little trail around our neighborhood. And use that time as solitude and then I do a little bit of gratitude journaling when I wake up in the morning. So that's kind of a start from that space. And then just trying to honor my limits, you know, I just launched a book and it was exciting, but it was exhausting And so I've taken more naps than usual the last week and just telling myself that is okay. You know, it is okay to do what I need to do to be restored so I can continue to do the work even if I'm not doing it right in this very moment.
0: Yeah. Holly, what do you think happens when we do step into like who God created us to be when we're actually living that life and we're giving ourselves permission to take a nap and we're giving ourselves permission to have that solitude without being productive Um, If you're an Enneagram one, (laughs) what, what happens in life? What has happened in your own life? Like when you realize, like when you stopped saying yes to speaking um, engagements, like what does God do in our lives?
1: Yeah, I think that it empowers us to make our greatest contribution, which for me is writing, I think, you know, so whatever someone thinks this is the thing I'm on earth to do, it makes more room for that. And so I think that's one part that we're able to offer our gifts. For me personally, it it put my depression and anxiety into remission. And again, that wasn't a simple process. I've struggled with those things all my life. And it wasn't like I started saying no and they instantly went away. It was, again, through counseling, working with a doctor, changing rhythms in my life, you know, really doing some hard work. But over time, my depression and anxiety are now in remission and have been in for the longest time I've ever experienced. And so that's what it looked like for me, because I think a lot of times I was just putting so much pressure on myself and wearing myself out and my body and my heart and my mind kept saying, this is not sustainable Mm -hmm. and I just wouldn't listen. And so as I learned to listen to myself and to the God who made me, those things began to heal. And so I think for a lot of us, that's what we find. And again, not to make light of those things, use every possible tool and resource available it can take a long time, but in my own life, that's what it's led to.
0: Yeah, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, I know that you're also also a life coach. So you work with a lot of women um, and you probably have a lot of insight into like not just your own experiences as an introvert, but other women um, who are introverts and the struggles that they have. Um, can you share with us a little bit of like some common things that you see come up that Um, I'm sure some listeners can relate to and maybe some ways that you help work through some of those things uh, with those women.
1: Yeah, well, one thing and something that really shaped the book was when I practiced as a counselor and then still as a life coach, a lot of times clients would say, I want to get rid of this part of who I am, you know, like, take it out. Yeah. And I I could relate because I'd felt that way, too. And I came to understand that it always seemed like God wasn't on board with that, you know? <laughs> but,
0: you know <laughs> like, probably, um, I, I did mine. that, so... Yeah. <laughs>
1: And so, for example, one is that introverts have that more sensitive nervous system. And so if you picture that on a continuum, kind of the core parts of who we are in the center of a continuum, and on the left side, it would be labeled struggle. And that would look like for me, anxiety, for many of my clients, anxiety would be that struggle. But on the right side of that continuum would be labeled strength, and that would be things like empathy, perceptiveness, you know, being highly observant, all those strengths that come with that nervous system. And so instead of saying, I need to change who I am, I started asking and asking my clients, how can we take one small step toward the strengths end of who you are, leaning into those strengths instead of focusing on so much, I have to be someone different. And as we do that, it seems like our struggles naturally start to lose their power over us and again I'm all about the tools and resources and everything we need to deal with things like anxiety but I think it can be empowering to realize our struggles are just the end of our other end of our strengths that we tend to feel a lot of shame about our struggles and we can let that go because it's just the other side of something that has tremendous potential and power and is God given and I think like That's why when the Apostle Paul was like, get rid of this thorn (laughs) in my flesh, God said, you know what? My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I have come to believe God isn't into elimination. He's into transformation. And so that has been a helpful mindset shift for me. And I've also seen it bring a lot of freedom to clients to know, okay, I don't have to be someone else. I can just focus on being more of who God created me to be.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that if we could just like pick a few things, like it doesn't have to be, I think sometimes like as introverts, um, I'm also a HSP, highly sensitive person, like Thank having you. all of, just all the things, all the stuff. So instead of like, just I, as you were saying that, I imagine like just paring down, like there's all this stuff and maybe there's a lot of strengths and maybe there's a lot of weaknesses and there's all these things going on in my mind, in my heart, but like, just like cleaning that all, just washing it clean and like picking two or three things that that are a strength or that you love or that you're good at, or somebody has, you know, encouraged you with and like just focusing on those things. I feel like everything else sort of like just disappears a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Holly, tell us something else about your book. Tell us what you are most excited about for women to walk, not just women. Um, I, we talk with a lot of women, but I'm sure you have been reading this book as well. But, um, with people reading this book, like what do you, what's the greatest thing you want them to walk away with?
1: I think what we just talked about is a big part of it. I actually did a survey with my blog subscribers and asked them, are you an introvert or extrovert? And what's your biggest struggle as an introvert or extrovert? So 73% of my readers are introverts. And I identified nine specific strengths that introverts have through research, but also through their responses, but also nine specific struggles that we tend to have. And so the book, a big part of the book is chapters going through that where here's a common struggle of introverts. Here's the corresponding strength and here's the brain science behind why that's the case. And then practical steps for how to start moving toward our strengths. And that was really fun to dive into the research, but also to look into how God designed us and to then just get really practical about how do we start moving in a different direction. And I'm already getting letters from introverts saying this has completely changed the way I see myself, you know? yeah. And that's my favorite part (laughs) is those letters. Or from a few extroverts saying this has been so helpful for my marriage. I I've been, you know, all of a sudden,
0: who this person I love makes so much more sense to me. Yes. <laughs> so those have been fun too. So cool. And um, all of your research and just the education you've given yourself on this, and the writing that you've done over the years, um, Holly. What would you say that God has set you free from?
1: I would say that anxiety and depression. We talked about mm-hmm. that. I I imagine at some point in my life I will probably struggle with them again. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I know my way home now. You know, I know how to, to get free again if I need to. And that is a powerful thing. And then I think just the lie that who I am isn't enough and knowing that God is enough in me. And so I don't have to worry about that, that he will use who he made me for his purposes and that I can let go of all that pressure that I put on myself.
0: Yes, yes. Um, I, again, I can relate and I love that so much. Um, Holly, where can people find you on Instagram and where can they get your book? Yes, I would love for them to come
1: by my website, hollygirth.com. I have a page, especially for introverts, hollygirth.com slash introverts, which shares more about the book as well. I also have a one minute, what percent introvert are you quiz that you can take, which is really fun. A lot of people are surprised by the results. So I scored 96% on that quiz. I'll be doing that right after
0: this. <laughs> I'll let you
1: know. So that's really fun too, if they want to just pop over because we're none of us are 100% introvert or extrovert. We're all a blend. And so you can find out how much introvert you have in you.
0: Great. And I'll put that link in the show notes too. So you guys can do that. And when we post about Holly's episode, if you guys take that quiz, come let us know um, in the comments. Cause I'm curious. I think more of my audience is also um, introverted too. I don't know if it's just you attract people who are like, uh, like you or what, but I was, I put something up on Instagram the other day and so I have like 80 some percent of them are introverts. Oh, and I, I love it. I know yeah. that it's 50, 50, but, um, I think there's a lot of, I, I like creative type people who um, are interested as well. But thank you so much, Holly, just for sharing all of your research and knowledge and your passion behind all this. Um, I'm excited to read your book and um, dive into some of those things that you found in your research. Um, And yeah, just thank you for your time and for being here. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorquecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in.